Well, we were brainstorming and coming up with recipes and ways to produce them. We decided that we wanted something that was minimally processed, but also nutrient rich. And to achieve that, um, we looked into freeze drying, which is not the cheapest option out there, but um, it does serve its value uh, because freeze drying is a process that actually retains nutrients much better than other drying methods. So it retains about 97% of the nutrients versus dehydrating, which only retains about 60. And the end product is also lightweight and portable, which makes it a convenient choice for like hikes and traveling. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In today's episode, I'm talking to Wendy Chen and Ursalina Lim, the founders of startup freeze-dried treat brand Luca Pets. Ursalina talked about some of the ways that they're making Luca Pets a sustainable brand by partnering with TerraCycle to recycle their packaging and using a compostable alternative to these silica gel packets usually found in most treat bags. They're launching their brand on Kickstarter right now. It was interesting to learn about how Kickstarter can be used not just for funding, but more as a marketing strategy. Wendy talked about how they determined their funding goal and some of the things that they wish they had done differently. Of course, with any brand, Luca Pets is inspired by Wendy and Ursulina's own dogs. They love to spoil the dogs with homemade treats and food, and naturally, they're also the models for the brand. Do you want to learn more about launching a Kickstarter campaign for your pet brand? Look no further than the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast archives. On my website, you can find all 190 episodes, including episode 45 with Rachel Bauman of Wild River, who did a Kickstarter for her doggy sleeping bag, and episode 64 with Gretchen Dill of Muttruck, who used Kickstarter to fund a backpack for dog-friendly adventures. Find the full archive, including these interviews, at wherewagrepeat.com slash podcast. Wendy Chen and Ursulina Lim are two New York City dog moms who found a way to combine their passion for food and love of dogs. Faced with the struggles of finding healthy, quality dog treats on the market, these two women set out to create a treat brand that is premium quality and thoughtfully designed. They wanted something simple, nutritious, convenient, yet aesthetically appealing to fit the modern lifestyle of dog parents and their dogs. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us, Tori. We're so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have both of you on here. Um, So for people listening, um, we have Wendy and Ursulina, and they'll kind of um, both pipe in to answer some of the questions about their brand. But first of all, I want to ask you how you kind of came up with the concept for these treats um, and and why you wanted to create your own brand. Well, we the concept was we wanted to create clean and healthy treats with 
wholesome and nutritious ingredients, um, something that tastes just as good as it looks without any additives. And the idea was to make uh, unique looking treats with a focus on transparency. So the ingredients we use in our treats are all visible. Like you can actually see pieces of salmon embedded in the bone broth and strawberry cubes in the smoothie base. And, and transparency is something that we strive for in all aspects of our business, from sourcing to production. Like we try to share some behind the scenes uh, whenever possible. Sometimes it's just for fun, but we also want to build a trustworthy relationship with our customers and share and exchange knowledge within the dog community. And your treats have a, a very unique look. Like I love that in your bio, you talk about the aesthetic element of the treats because they are these like perfect little squares. And, and like <laughs> you mentioned, you can see all of the ingredients, which is mm-hmm. very different than, than most treats out there. So how did you decide that you wanted it to be, you know, the just so aesthetic, I guess with like the, I can't think of another word to describe it, but just like so beautiful <laughs> with the little squares rather than yeah. having something kind of yeah. mm-hmm. more loose. Right. So, um, I think we, Burr, Samina, and I, we actually both came from design backgrounds. So just naturally, we were just drawn to things that are more unique and aesthetically pleasing. So um, we wanted to incorporate that into our treats. And and definitely, we wanted something unique that didn't look like what was already on the market, you know, something special. Um, because, you know, we all love our dogs so much, we just want and another way that they're kind of different is that they're freeze dried. So why did you decide to do freeze drying rather than like a baked biscuit or something like that? Yeah. Um, well, we were brainstorming and coming up with recipes and ways to produce them. We decided that we wanted something that was minimally processed, but also nutrient rich. And to achieve that, um, we looked into freeze drying, which is not the cheapest option out there, but um, it does serve its value uh, because freeze drying is a process that actually retains nutrients much better than other drying methods. So it retains about 97% of the nutrients versus dehydrating, which only retains about 60. And the end product is also lightweight and portable, which makes it a convenient choice for like hikes and traveling. And I really do love this aspect of our treats, them being portable and lightweight, because personally, when I'm traveling with Candy, it is almost impossible to bring homemade food for her on the road because we have to find ways to keep them fresh or chilled. And But just a few weeks ago, we actually went on a camping trip in upstate New York and we brought her along. So all I had to bring was some of our freeze-dried treats because they are so light and portable as a replacement for her fresh food and kind of use that as a topper for her meals for the added nutrition. So it was great because the best part about that is I get to switch up the flavors since we have four flavors and she loves variety in her meals. And you don't have to worry about keeping it cold. Like you said, if someone is doing, you know, canned or raw food or something like that. There's a lot of complications when you're traveling. Yes. Right. Right. Definitely. It's, it's not as portable and um, you would have to keep it in the fridge. (laughs) Right. So, okay. I have to kind of ask, how did you, is there like a freeze drying machine that you have that you bought at first in your kitchen or how did you even like get into, how did you 
make your first version of these freeze-dried treats? So we actually have a freeze-dry ourselves to actually um, come up with the recipes. Like we needed a freeze-dry to test all the recipes and samples, but um, for production, we are we actually are in contact with like small scale production companies that are in upstate New York, and um, yeah, which is great. So they're not that far away, and they do small small scale production. So it told it definitely worked out for us. <laughs> well, and that kind of ties in, um, you know, with another one of your brand values that we were talking about, which is to be clean and sustainable. Um, you know, producing stuff in the USA and maybe like a hundred miles from where you live mm-hmm, is, right. is pretty sustainable. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and how you are trying to create a sustainable brand? So when we, when we are researching about our packaging, we, our original intent was to find sustainable packaging, but it was kind of tough because we needed to have moisture barrier properties to keep our treats fresh. And unfortunately, all these bags are mainly made of bonded layers of plastics and foil. And during our research, we found out that you can't just recycle bonded plastics, even if they claim that they are recyclable, because these layers will first need to be separated before they can be properly processed. And it's not something you can do at home. So when we were doing our research, we stumbled upon TerraCycle. They are a leader in the recycling industry. So they basically collect difficult to recycle packagings and repurposes them. And it was perfect for us. So we have decided to adopt their zero waste box program, which is their amazing recycling initiative where our customers will just simply mail their empty bags to us for free once they are done with their treats. And we will then collect them, fill these boxes and return them to TerraCycle to be properly recycled. So that was one of our, um, that's how we play our part in being sustainable. But on top of that, we also stumbled upon um, clay-based desiccants that are packaged in craft papers. And these are really eco-friendly and biodegradable compared to silica gels or synthetics, which is usually the industry norm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, honestly, there are not a lot of people that I know of who reuses silica gel desiccants, even ourselves. Like, when was the last time you remember reusing these guys? So we oftentimes just kind of throw them away with our packaging and these just end up in landfills. And those are like the little packets that keep stuff dry inside. Yeah. To keep them fresh and prevent moisture in the bags. Yeah. That's something I never even thought of. I throw one of those away with every single bag. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just so little that you don't really pay so much attention to it, but it made a difference. Like if you keep throwing them away, it'll, pro- it'll just end up compiled in like landfills. Right, right. And so yeah. you guys found an alternative to that that's like a clay-based. Yes. Okay. And they are packaging craft papers. Yes. Wow. That, I've never I've never heard, this is the first, I've never heard of anyone doing that. I don't think <laughs> I've ever opened a bag that had something other than the silica little things, beads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we try. <laughs> we, yeah. we definitely tried to do the research, you know, because we wanted to kind of um, pave the way for our brand to be sustainable. Um, but yeah. Out of all the different elements, what was the most challenging part 
of creating a sustainable brand? I would say that it is definitely because we are freeze drying our treats, keeping it fresh, kind of, um, we have to figure out a lot of ways to be able to keep those treats fresh because they are shelf stable. So I would definitely say packaging was one of the biggest challenge that we had to overcome, but we definitely did our research. And so we cannot use paper packaging. I know for dog biscuits and stuff, um, like treats along those lines, you're able to package them in these really sustainable and biodegradable paper packaging. But because of the unique feature of our treats, we had to resort to bonded plastics, but we found ways to overcome it by partnering with TerraCycle. Yeah, it's really creative. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so that's all like behind the scenes. That's what you guys have been working on for how long? <laughs> um, I think a year, right? About a year. Yeah. Yeah. It would it's- take a while to figure all of that out. And so, and now you're like getting ready to launch and you're doing that mm-hmm. through Kickstarter. So right. tell us a little bit about why you chose to go this route. Um, Kickstarter has been around for a long time. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, is it still relevant? Like, why did you try to choose to do that? I guess. Yeah. Um, so Kickstarter is a crowdfunding site that is basically all or nothing, right? So that means you only receive the funds if you reach your goal. And if you don't, then all the money is refunded to the backers. Um, so we chose to launch on Kickstarter because uh, we thought it was a good way to gauge public interest and fund our first production run. It was also a good marketing strategy to gain exposure and put our name out there. But definitely looking back, there are definitely some things that we would have done differently, I think. Um, I think we would have spent more time building a solid pre-following, um, like pre-launch before we um, opened on Kickstarter. And mm-hmm. we had an Instagram and Facebook account, but we were never really active on it until after the launch. And I feel like if we had more time in the beginning to build a bigger following, it would have helped us um, get the momentum we needed for the Kickstarter campaign. Because um, I don't know if you know, but Kickstarter, it's with Kickstarter, it's really important to get that early momentum or else your project will hardly be seen. Like they have over, I think, 3,000 live projects right now. So it would just like get lost in a sea of projects. Um, but we were fortunate enough to be chosen as the projects we love by their staff, which we were really excited about because this kind of increased our project visibility and exposure on their website so that when people click into the food section, um, our project is more likely to be seen. And how did you get chosen to do that? Was it just a surprise or did you pitch it to them? <laughs> um, so actually Kickstarter, they have their staff, like I think literally sits down and handpicks like the projects we love. Um, so they they probably go through like all of them and just pick out the ones that they think um, have potential or they think um, kind of paints a good story about your project. Um, or it sets an example for other uh, Kickstarters who um, are looking to start a project of their own. But but yeah, I mean, like we we were definitely surprised and pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so there seems to be there's there doesn't seem to be there there is like a lot that goes into 
Kickstarter, you have to figure out the different levels, you know, the rewards that the backers are going to get. You have to figure out what your goal is going to be so that it's like high enough to get what you want, but not too high that it doesn't get funded. (laughs) So (laughs) um, how did you, your goal is $8,000. And how did you, how did you come up with that number? So um, I think while we were researching, they, like people mentioned something about, oh, um, your first Kickstarter is probably only going to be family and friends, and then maybe like friends of friends. So um, really kind of calculate, um, I guess, family and friends between me and Ursulina and um, come up with a number that is reasonable. Um, And like 8,000 was that number. (laughs) Yeah. And so when you do get fully funded, because it's going on right now, so everyone listening, go check it out. (laughs) Support (laughs) Ursulina and Wendy. Um, When you do get funded, what will that $8,000 go towards? So it will, a large chunk of it will probably go towards our first production run. And also um, the, we accounted for the TerraCycle fees um, for recycling and yeah, I think that was pretty much it. But as I mentioned, I think for our first Kickstarter, it was it was definitely a good way to gauge public interest. So we didn't like we didn't set the goal too high. Yeah. And it was more of like a marketing strategy. Yeah. So you keep saying your first Kickstarter. Do you think you would do a second <laughs> or a third one? <laughs> We haven't actually talked about it yet, but um, definitely, I think, I mean, I I really think it's um, a good way to put your product out there Um, and, and people who are interested uh, can like, you will be exposed to that via their platform. So um, definitely like if we do roll out like a second flavor or another line of treats, um, we would definitely think about it again. Yeah. It's really, it's like, it's, it's a cool idea. Like for marketing, like you said, like there's other ways that you could, you know, get the funding to do this, but there are so many kind of secondary benefits to doing it through Kickstarter. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I also, one of the things about Kickstarter is the levels, um, and the, and the like rewards that people get for giving it different levels. So how did, how did you figure that out? I was looking at your page and I noticed, like you said, getting that momentum at the beginning is so important. Um, like your early bird special offer had the most backers. Um, so how did you kind of strategize that? So I think we, because the products that we rolled out are, we didn't really have a lot. Like we have four flavors of our treats and then we have two different kinds of packaging. So one is like a tasting box and then the other is in uh, your standard stand-up pouch. So um, we kind of had to be a little creative um, because I know people have different levels of rewards and they even sometimes add on like uh, sweatshirts or like caps or like totes, you know, to add into their rewards. But for us, we just wanted to keep it simple, you know, like. Um, uh, definitely focus on the treats and uh, do packages, combos. I think one thing that we wanted to do more of for next time was definitely have more of the early bird package, um, like more early bird specials, because I think that definitely pushed people to, to, to pledge early. 
Yeah, it seems that way. Um, so I want to know more about how you guys met, um, because it's hard to find kind of like your business bestie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that is true. And, and you guys seem to work so well together, just, you know, based on what you've been able to pull off so far. So how did you, how did you meet and, um, and decide to, you know, you talked about why you wanted to create these treats, but how did you decide to like go into business together? Um, well, Ursulina and I, we both are just dog moms who love to make homemade and homemade treats and food for our dogs. It just like for us, it just puts your mind at ease to know what is going in there, especially when the pet industry standard is kind of vague. So I think we both had the similar idea to start a dog related business. Um, and the topic actually came up while we were having brunch for Ursulina's birthday. And this was actually last year during the pandemic. So we were just chatting over it during brunch and we both instantly clicked. And it was all we could talk about since then. And we, so before this, we were actually co-workers working in the same fashion house. I mean, in fact, we were in the same team. So we know we work really well together. And it was just a combination of that with the right timing. And we just decided to go for it. And here we are today with Luca Pets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And um, was kind of, have there been any challenges to working together? I think we definitely uh, would have preferred, like, if we had, like, an office space, but we both definitely just work remotely right now, um, probably because of the pandemic. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think... I pretty much see her every day <laughs> on webcam um, and we both have full-time jobs. So it's just, it, it's, um, it's tough, you know, like just full-time jobs during the day. And then, and then after, after six or seven, we're both like on video cam until maybe like 12 a.m. <laughs> and then it yeah. continues on to the weekend. <laughs> yeah. and Sunday is just me webcoming with her or me in her apartment or she's at my apartment just working yeah. on this together. It's so inspiring. <laughs> like there's honestly, there's so many people who have started pet businesses during mm -hmm. the pandemic or um, kind of inspired by the pandemic maybe. And I, and it's also so inspiring that you can have your full-time job and then also start this whole brand with all the different complications of everything you want to do. It's, it's really amazing what you've, what you've been able to do. And I, I know you. that there's some furry, furry team members <laughs> who also yeah. inspire you to do what you do. So um, would you tell us a little bit about your pets? And, you know, they are the inspiration for all of this. So tell us about your dogs and, and maybe how they came into your life. Yeah, definitely. So I have always had dogs growing up back home in my family. And then about six years ago, I moved to New York City with my husband and I knew it just wouldn't be the same without a dog. So it's just really a matter of time before Candy entered our lives. And she's my precious 10 pounds Maltese. She's about, well, five and a half to six years old now. And I would describe her as a calm. She's generally calm, but she can get sassy at times when she needs mm -hmm. to be. And Wendy knows best. Yeah. So she loves to stare out the window all day like a cat. I mean, it makes me wonder sometimes if like, are you a cat in your past life? <laughs> yeah, but she's always eager to greet people and dogs. And 
she'll probably do that for like five seconds and she'll just immediately run off to do her own thing in her own little bubble. Yeah. But yeah, there's candy. <laughs> it reminds me of my dog, Lucy, because Lucy also, she'll kind of, she, I mean, she's a huge Labrador, so very different, but she she likes to say hi, but then go off and do her own yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about you, uh, Wendy? Oh, yes. Okay. So I when I first met Ursulina, I didn't have a dog. Um, but she used to bring candy to the office sometimes. And it just, it made me realize how much I needed a dog in my life. Um, because, but because I knew it was going to be a big commitment. And so I was kind of hesitant in the beginning. Um, but one time about three and a half years ago, um, Arslina and I visited a rescue center called Korean canine. I don't know if you've heard of them, but, um, she was looking for a second dog and I was, just tagging along. I I didn't. I had no intention of adopting one yet. Famous but, last words. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. You know, <laughs> you know. You know. But um. But then I instantly fell in love with Luffy, my dog now, and I just couldn't leave without him. And he's been the center of my everything since then. But um, some facts about him: he's a mini Jindo Retriever mix. He weighs about thirty pounds. Um, so he was rescued from the South Korean meat trade and is now living his best life in New York City. He's Aww. pretty shy. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he warms up quickly. And after he gets comfortable, he will definitely walk all over you, like both figuratively and literally. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He does that. Yep. So it's funny now because Candy is like the sassy big sister to Luffy because she has always been there ever since um Wendy adopted him. And we have worked so closely this past year. So... They're always just together whenever I'm at her apartment or she's at mine. And they're just in their little corner, just chilling with one another. They're like mm-hmm. best friends. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> and are your dogs the models for the treats? They are. <laughs> if you they're go to model. our Instagram, they're like all over, <laughs> all over the page. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You guys have beautiful photography, by the way. Do you do it yourself? Or I guess you have like kind of fashion industry connections how how did you um work on your photography for your brand uh we do we do it ourselves um it was we we actually enjoy it too so um and then with the, the de- design background i feel like it, it kind of it definitely helped a lot <laughs> yeah i it, the photos are really great i can't believe you do them all yourself because they look oh, like thank you <laughs> like an ad agency has done them they're so good <laughs> thank, thank you, you. Yeah, of course. Um, Well, tell everyone how they can find, how can they find your Kickstarter? Um, And that's the only way to order the treats right now, right? They're not uh, available for purchase yet. Yes, that is the only way to do it right now. But so, yeah, so as we talked about earlier, we have launched our first product, our freeze dried dog treats on Kickstarter exactly two weeks ago. We're really excited about that. And we do offer a special discount on Kickstarter right now, which ends on November 19. So if, like you say, if any of our listeners are interested, um, please check out our Kickstarter page to learn more about our treats. And the link can be found on our Instagram and our Facebook at Shop Looker Pets. And it, it, you can also access Kickstarter through our website. So it's shoplookerpets.com. Okay, perfect. And I'll have all the links in the show notes for this. So yeah. if anyone is looking for it, wherewagrepeat.com slash podcast, 
just look for this episode and it's shop Luca pets, L U C A Luca pets.com. And thank you guys so much for, for um, lending me your time and telling me your story on the show today. Yeah. Thank thank you you so so much. much for having us. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at tmystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.